0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. I'm glad you're here. My name is Bruce Wood, and I'm on staff as one of the associate pastors here. Our senior pastor, Josh De La Rosa, he's on a return trip from Texas. Uh, Our staff, uh, me, myself included, our staff, and and a large number of our members went to Texas this past week to uh, attend an annual Wisdom Conference that's put on by the church network that we're part of, the 176 network. And so it was a a great week out in Texas, a lot of good barbecue, and now I flew back, but Josh and some others are, are driving back. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Uh today's a good day. We, this is the second week in our message series called Par for the Course. And the word par, I don't, I don't know if you're much of a golfer, but uh, par is a common golfing term. And we're using the game of golf in general as a metaphor to describe some principles that we find in the Bible. Uh, it's a launch point. And so here at OCC, we also use the word par as an acronym to describe a very important principle in life. It's a principle that brings a lot of good and blessing when it's observed and a lot of pain and difficulty when it's violated. So God is paying very uh, close attention to our attitude and our approach as we walk through life. It's it's really, you know, it really helps to know what's important to him. (laughs) We do a lot better if we're clear on, on what God thinks is important. We get in line with that. And when it comes to golf, the game, you want to have a good long game. And, and I'll just say up front, I'm, I'm speaking a little bit beyond my experience here. <laughs> but uh, golf, you want to have a good long game, and I think that means that you can take a look at the green in front of you. You know, you select the right club, and you line up your stroke, and you just let it rip until so that ball sails down the fairway and lands hopefully close to the pin. I got a fresh reminder. About I was privileged to find out just how good my long game is <laughs> this week in Texas. We, I went golfing at a place called Top Golf. This is not an actual golfing course. There's a bunch of these around the, the country, but a, a lot of them in Texas. And what you do is you stand on this platform. There's a lot of bays, so a lot of people can do this simultaneously. And this ball pops out of the machine on the bottom, and you swing. You're trying to hit the ball in one of those massive craters in the ground. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. And uh, there's different points depending on which crater you get it into. In fact. Depending on which part of the crater you get it into, it's worth different values. And so it's kind of, it's, even if you're not that good of a golf, it's, it's kind of fun. And everyone else, it's kind of like bowling where everyone else is sitting behind you and you take turns. And so this was a lot of fun. One of our other staff members, Cody, he could crush the ball effortlessly. He, he was doing really good sailing the ball out. And I could not figure out how to get that little white ball in any of those massive craters. Like, I don't know what I was doing wrong. I felt so good when I was standing up there and then it just goes, the totally different direction. So at some point I figured I'm going to be better off if I just throw this thing. And so I threw it in one of the holes in the front and I, and I got some points on that round. So, <laughs> so I got to get on the board. So one, one of the ways that you have a good long game, not just in golf, but in life is to observe this par principle. And par refers to privilege, accountability, and responsibility. To get more privilege in life, which is what we all want. We want good things. We want to be uh, privileged with new opportunities, things like that. If you want more privilege, you have to bear more responsibility. These go up together. And then, actually, uh, you become more accountable as well. As as all these increase, you become more accountable to God and to other people that are over you. And so this is a principle that operates across all the arenas of life. One very big arena of life that we all deal with every single day in one way or another is the stewardship of our finances. Uh, This is a huge area of responsibility that we all bear every day. And and the way that we handle this area has a huge impact on our long game in life and how well we do. In fact, um, the way you handle your money impacts you today and this year. It can impact you for decades and actually... There's some things you can do right now with your money that will have an impact on you and other people into eternity. And so this is this is a real long game here. Uh, and I feel like, personally, it's pretty easy to become nearsighted when it comes to handling my money and money management. There was a period of time when I got really caught up in trying to work this system with credit card programs, <laughs> rewards programs. So this happened, you know, the first thing I did years ago, I remember I opened a credit card for an airline. I think it was American. And the, the deal is you open the card, you spend a thousand dollars and then you get a flight to anywhere that you want. It's like, that's awesome. So I told my wife, I was like, you open one too. And we'll both get a flight. And, uh, and we did it and it worked. We spent money on the card and, uh, right. but then that, you know, that offer is done. You can't do it again. So you, we're like, all right, we got to open up another card and get something else. <laughs> and so we opened up credit card for uh, department stores. I got into the Home Depot thing to get discount there. I think pretty much anywhere you shop, you can get a credit card for that store. And so they all have different incentives. And so then I went, I was, I, I was working the system or trying to, and I go, I go to REI, which is a sporting and outdoor store. And uh, I saw their offer. And, they, and basically within a month of opening their card, you get $100 that you can spend in the store. Which means you can maybe get one thing there, <laughs> which I was all about. I, I had, I think, I had a backpacking trip coming up soon. I loved outdoors, and uh, so I was looking at the application for this thing about you know wanting to sign up, uh, which I was very familiar with that process by that time. And uh, I was thinking about doing this, and, and a thought came to my mind: uh, What are you doing? <laughs> you know, you, you've opened all these cards, and, and really, what you're doing? is you're chasing after all these rewards and these treats and these things. And, and credit cards in themselves inherently are not bad. Even these programs are not bad. But for me, I, I suddenly realized uh, I had all these cards open. It was hard for me to track which ones had balances and, and I was, uh, when the due dates were and I was getting in trouble in that. and that. And really it was all because I was tra- chasing after these different things that I wanted. And then, after that, I got wrapped up in customer loyalty programs. <laughs> so, I, I put a stop on the credit card thing, and then I started signing up. You know, Starbucks, they have stars that you can get. Uh, Chick-fil-A, they have an app. You know, El Trio Grill, you have a birthday thing. All these places that you go, you can, you know, put in your email address and you sign up. Or, its coffee shops have punch cards. Everything, it seems like everybody's got something. And... If you don't know the reason for that, the, the reason they do this is because they want you to come to your store. And so if you get close to earning like a free drink, then you're going to more likely to go to that store. And it was working on me. <laughs> and I was like I was making decisions about where to get coffee, not be, based on uh, what was the right decision or time management, but because I, I was going to get another star. And uh, so then I, I, was, I was involved in all this. Over a period of time, and I started feeling like my mind just feels cluttered with keeping track of all these programs and the next treat. And and, and really, more significantly, my heart was just being yanked around because I wanted rewards and treats. And and really, I I was trying to find a way to, to get good things for myself rather than trusting God to bring good refreshment, reward, and things in my life in His timing. And I realized, this is, this is so nearsighted. <laughs> is this what I want to be spending my time on? You know, do I, want, uh, do I want this in the background of my mind, so, uh, using my energy in an effort to keep up with all these kinds of things? No, I don't. There's a lot of strategies out there for handling money. There's a lot of uh, books about budgeting. There's, a, there's actually a lot of good resources about how to build wealth. Um, there's a lot of opinions about credit cards. Some people really, really think they're good. Some people think they're awful. And, uh, there's thoughts about loan repayment and, and charitable giving and generosity. This, this is a big, big area of life, money and finances. And, And you, you almost, you almost can't go a day without either spending money in some way or thinking about how much you have or you don't have or being affected by it. And so it's important. This is an important area of life. In fact, we train our kids how to earn money and and how to save it up in a glass jar and then eventually open a bank account and and then what kinds of things are good to spend money on. And, And we talk about this because it really, really is important for us to manage our money well. And as important as it is to handle our money well, it's actually just a test for something even more important. The way that we handle our money is really, it's a big, big area of life, but it's really just a test for something even more important. God pays very close attention to the way we handle our money. He he gives numerous instructions. He actually gives very clear guidelines about saving, spending, earning, and and he's watching how faithful we are with our money. He he notices if we're impulsive. He notices if if we're prone to hoarding or, or if we're giving freely. And it's not because the money is the stuff that God cares about. It's not that just the physical money is the most important thing to him. Faithfulness with our finances qualifies us for true riches. This is what we find when we look in Scripture. Faithfulness with our finances qualifies us for the true riches. Look at Luke sixteen eleven. It says, If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth... Really, that's just a reference to, to money, just good old cash, money, whatever you have. Uh, if you've not been faithful with that, who will entrust you to true riches? Last week, we, we looked at the very first test of pr- getting more privilege in life. That was uh, faithfulness in the small things. Now there's, this, there's another test here for us. It's faithfulness with our money management. Because wealth, it should, it should be the servant of a Christ follower. You know, Money should serve should serve us. But very often we get this mixed up and we end up serving money or we serve our desires. And so there's there's this statement that Jesus makes here. He's saying that true riches, the true riches that he's really talking about are people. It's not money at all. The very true riches, the, the most important thing, are people. This shows us in, in, in what he says here and then actually in the stories that Jesus tells leading up to this time, it shows that people are the most important to God among all the money and possessions that we have in life. And so the most significant thing that you can do with your life is not to build wealth or, or to get rich. Those, that, that helps. You know, that actually, money helps you get things done in life, and that's, that is good. But it is far more significant to influence people around you for good. It's far more significant to help people come to know Jesus Christ and to grow in him. Jesus is saying that God tests our hearts by watching how you handle your money. You, you, there, you know, when, when the Bible talks about the heart, he's not talking about the romance center of your life. <laughs> the heart, Scripturally, the heart is the command center of your life. The heart, you know, scripturally speaking, is where you make decisions about life and, and, and what's important to you and the values that you, that you rank. And so God is testing our heart, that, that command center of our life, before... He gives us a platform to lead people. He tests us before. He, he gives us the platform to help and care for others spiritually and have influence. And so people, you can actually grab for, for leadership. You can grab for the privilege uh, of leading other people and do it by taking advantage of others. But when you when people do this, there will eventually be a price to pay for that either immediately. Or later in life or when we face God in in eternity. And so God is checking our hearts before he brings people to us so that we can influence them. And and he checks before giving status in a a church body like this. uh, Before anyone is put in a position of influence, God is checking this. So over the years, as as people have come around OCC, have come around this church, uh, many have just genuinely been curious, how could I become a leader here? Perhaps it's somebody that uh, has some gifting in leadership or, or experience in other places, and, and they'd be interested in gaining status or influence as a leader in some way. One of the prerequisites to look for is a track record in faithfulness of, of managing our resources well. And, and gaining influence in a church like this, is not, it doesn't come from knowing the right people, <laughs> getting in good with the pastor, or making sure you're in the right circles. That's, that's not what it's about. God is testing this this issue of faithfulness. And so some questions that we can ask ourselves is, am I a person that is financially stable? Am I bearing my, uh, am I pulling my weight? Uh, Or am I taking care of my family? Uh, Am I a person, uh, are my personal finances relatively in order? And even more importantly, do, do I trust God enough to follow his standards for giving and generosity? This, par principle that we've been studying in in this series, basically what it says is that an increase of privilege which should include influencing a group of people uh, first requires an increase of responsibility particularly managing resources well. And so these two things are are tied very much together and as Jesus was explaining this concept uh, helping people know what are the tests what are the ways that God tests us there was a group of people listening in uh, listening into his teaching, uh, Jesus turns to this group and he speaks to them directly because uh, it was a group of Pharisees, and, and they they were a group of religious leaders that had a great deal of power and influence at, at this time in, in the history of Israel. And they were they were actually a hyper-religious group. Uh, they knew all the commandments in the Old Testament. They had them memorized, uh, but then they also made up their own rules, and gave, uh, that, that gave them an, an themselves an advantage. One of the most despicable rules that they came up with was they could take money that was supposed to be used to help their parents uh, in that society, uh, and ours today too, but especially then, uh, the elder as you got older and elderly, uh, it was the responsibility of your family to help take care of you because you couldn't work. It phys- you couldn't do the physical work required. And so uh, they could just say, I'm going to set aside this money, and I'm going to declare it as Corbin, which meant devoted to God. And if they declared their savings as devoted to God, then they didn't have to use it. To help their elderly parents financially. And in the Bible, we're we're commanded to honor our parents and take care of them. Uh, So this was a practice that would disgust God, uh, as would any religious rule that devalues people. And so the Pharisees, they had these strategies uh, for gaining influence and using their leadership and and to gain status. And they did it. They they were taking an illegitimate path to privilege. In contrast, Jesus leaves us to serve the people under us in love. And so as Jesus is, is communicating these ideas and he's teaching, he he then turns to the Pharisees and he says and he tells them in, in Luke sixteen thirteen through fifteen, no servant can serve two masters. Either, you know, imagine imagine somebody who had two bosses in the same <laughs> workplace. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I think we often try to do this. I mean, we try. To, we have our goals, our financial desires, things that we're trying to do with our money and save it or whatever. And uh, we say, I'm going to take care of this money stuff and also serve God. And you can't, you can't do that. The Pharisees, it goes on to say, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things and they ridiculed him. They didn't want to take this from him. I mean, Jesus is being pretty confrontational here. And he, he says, he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. He knows what's in that command center. He knows what... What are those values and perspectives that are shaping the way that you do these things? God knows... He can see right into your heart. And for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. This was pretty confrontational. The Pharisees were lovers of money. And as you can imagine, they heard Jesus' teaching and they reacted uh, defensively. Uh, There was really no good way to explain what they were doing. Uh, explain their behavior, so they responded to Jesus with ridicule. They just, they just went on attack mode. And in verse 15 here, right here, you find that God's values are completely upside down from the world at large. What he's saying is that you, know, you guys, you measure yourselves by the standard values of the world, but what's important in the eyes of the world is an abomination to God. It's, it's backwards. And so Jesus, through all that he's saying, is making it clear that the way that I use my money is the clearest indicator of what's most important to me. I mean, the way, the way that I use my money, it, it is a clear indicator of what's very important to me. You, and you can see this. What do you spend your money on? What do you choose not to spend your money on? This, you, you immediately see what's important. And privilege, this, you know, when we're looking at this partnership, principle, privilege is always tied to responsibility. If you, if you want to gain privilege the proper way, you must qualify yourself in two ways based on what we've seen so far. So last week in, in this chapter of Luke 16, we saw you, there's this faithfulness comes from um, doing, being faithful in the little things and now being faithful with your finances. Because why would God entrust more money and resources to someone who's going to waste them on, on things that he doesn't value? God pays very close attention to the way that we use our money, and he's checking our hearts to see what we value before trusting us with those true riches. What he wants to know, he just wants to know, he's going to test, he's going to test us and see what's important to us before he gives us a platform of leadership, to lead people, and have, and, and really just to help and care for people spiritually and have influence. This is because God, uh, to God, people are the most valuable. And so your money is a test, Your bank statement, your credit card statements, those those are proving grounds. We all want to grow in respect. We want to grow in in self-respect. And we'd like to be respected by others as well. And you can gain power and influence over others, but if it's in a selfish, illegitimate way, you're standing on shaky ground. Any of us would be standing on shaky ground. And so Jesus showed us never to use our power and influence selfishly, in fact he made a statement in Mark ten forty five, one of one of my favorite verses that it just turns everything upside down, related especially with regards to leadership and power. He said, For even the Son of Man, who is Jesus, even even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And he even gave his life. He he went all the way into service to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is how you gain respect the right way. It's by using all of your resources, your your energy and your time and your money to serve and bless others. So let's take a moment and just identify a few ways to live this out practically. When it comes to handling our resources faithfully, we want to practice the patterns that are really pleasing to God. And so here are some mechanics of a good financial long game. And so we're talking about the long game. You know, the way that, the way that you use your money today, it, it truly can have an impact now in the next few decades and then truly into eternity. So in the Bible do you find that God commands Christ's followers to give first. This is number one. Proverbs three nine through ten. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with new wine. There's this imagery of, of abundance and wealth here. And in this passage, the Lord commands us to give right off the top. You know, th- this, this idea of first fruits really means before we use our paycheck for anything else Uh, you have a payday and then as soon as you get paid then that money gets funneled into other things but this this idea of giving first this is a faith exercise and and it forces us to ask will will we trust god to provide for our needs even if we give first here's a picture of what happens if we wait to give the leftovers (laughs) it's an apple in decay uh, the amount that we can give the amount of, uh, you know your your available cash doesn't grow if if you're waiting till the end of the pay period to give uh, and actually if you wait you shrink spiritually because you're not exercising faith but but walking by sight and so god very clearly instructs us to give 10% of our income to him that's known as the tithe in the bible and percent i don't know if you've if you've if you've actually gotten to calculate it later out but 10% of your income that's a chunk that that 's a lot of money, uh, depending on how much you make and it, no matter how much you make that 's a lot of money. You could use that money for other things it 's easy to think about that, but if you 're just starting out and you 're new to this idea this this principle that God gives Christ followers, this idea of the tithe uh, what i 'd recommend is is pick a percentage, start with one percent or three or five or seven, and or maybe you' already you 've already started that process, grow that percentage aggressively as fast as you can, until you get to ten percent, which is god 's standard. And I truly believe you will see God provide for your needs and more, as you choose faith with your finances. God said, "Give the whole tithe, and watch Him take care of your needs." So that's the first thing. First is give. Second is save. Save for trouble. Proverbs. Oh, here's a here's a. Oh no, yeah. Proverbs twenty two three says, "The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it." So. The prudent, you know, looks ahead and sees, you know, there's trouble coming. And, and then if, you, if you've lived life long enough, you know, uh, sometimes you've got to pay for things you don't want. Your car breaks or you got to medical. I just had to go to the emergency room for one of my kids last uh, month, and, and that was unexpected hundreds of dollars. There, there's things that happen that you can't control. Or maybe you, you lose a job or there's something that happens in the economy. There's, there's these things that happen, and we just know. It doesn't always work out the way we plan, and so there's danger ahead, and you plan accordingly. So it's, it's wise to save, both for trouble now, also save for when you get older, when you aren't able to work and provide for yourself. It truly is wise to put a little saving aside so that it can grow with compound interest over time. This is the savings long game. And some banks have a really good ads to encourage you to put money in savings for the future. A year from now, you will wish you had started today. <laughs> You could apply that to any any time frame now today is a great time to begin on this practice. Third thing you should do is after give save is is to spend to meet your needs spend to meet your needs uh, here 's another statement it 's not your salary that makes you rich it 's your spending habits. <laughs> There's plenty of people that make gobs of money and are are really hurting financially because of their spending habits. It's not not your salary. It's it's the way you spend. We would do very well to consider and really control the way that we spend. In fact, there's a qualification for leaders in the church. Uh, In 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5, it says, A leader, he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? God God holds us accountable, and especially leaders in the church, to make sure that they're taking care of the needs of their family and not wasting their money. It's easy easy to get these big ideas about how to spend money or or go on big trips or or just to be reckless or careless in, in the little things, and money gets wasted, and then our family is in a tough spot. The basic idea is if you're not managing well at home, don't export it to the church. The, the, the first area, we've got to keep this in order. If someone can manage their home well, then they'd be qualified for leadership in the church. And, and actually, God takes providing for our family needs very seriously. And he says in, in 1 Timothy 5.8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, this is pretty serious. He says he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We've got to keep these things in the right order. So giving, saving, spending, and then the final aspect is invest in the future. When you're looking at your finances, I think sometimes we we can try to plan things out and we have this hope that I'm going to reach financial stability. Basically, if I just budget properly and I have the income thing set out and I've got the right investments, I, I can be financially stable. Financial stability is actually an illusion. There is no such thing. There, there's too much, and I actually see people like agreeing right now. There, there's too many things that come up in life that you cannot control. We can't control. There's, you know, if you're young, you've got years ahead of you of potential financial devastation. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's so many things that are out, our, out of our control. And uh, there's you know, unexpected expenses. And so, truly, there, there's no guaranteed investments that we can make here on earth. Every investment can go south. But Jesus explains that we can make an investment in eternity in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He's talking about this idea. You know, he, he knows. Jesus knows, of course. There's, th- there's, there's bad things that will happen to your money. <laughs> you can't, you, uh, financial stability is an illusion. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break and steal it 's safe in heaven it 's locked up and it 's untouched. If we put our treasure there, it says for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also and so we we can make an investment in eternity one, one of the one of the ways to do that is to give your money for god 's purposes. we can invest in eternity by giving to the things where he's working, things that are important to him. There's about a million ways you could spend your money, um, things you could spend it on, things you can invest in, people you can support, all kinds of things like this. But giving your money for God's purposes, that's how you, you lock up those treasures in heaven. And the other thing you can do is to love people and to use your money and your things, your stuff, to bless them. We can use, we can make an investment in eternity that, that's locked up there in heaven by loving people and using our money and our stuff to bless them. We have a, a, a phrase in our family we use a lot we say people are more important than things and uh, sometimes we have to say it out loud Let's say someone comes over you know family comes over and then one of the kids breaks something in our house <laughs> you're like oh man people it's kids it's more important than our stuff and, and it's because it's, the reason for that is we're still wrapped up in our stuff. Like I want my stuff to be nice. I don't want to be new. I mean you can maybe you, you lend something out to somebody and it comes back crashed or broken. And and it's just people are more important than stuff. And when we make this shift, we we can really be building the things that are gonna last forever. One day I was driving to Dunkin' Donuts before work. I was excited to get uh well. When Dunkin' Donuts first came to Southern California, I got really excited because I'm from New York, and I grew up with that, and so it felt like a piece of home was coming to me. And so I I was very excited, and we have one in Riverside now, a couple maybe. There's one in Woodcrest, and so I was going there before work, and my favorite combination is a hot latte and a blueberry donut. It's just a great combination. And so I was getting ready and uh, I pulled in and I, I got out my phone because I had the phone app with a reward like, to tell me about you know this thing. And so I'm ready to use I'm going to get like the big latte. And uh, I also had a coupon on my receipt from the last visit. So I'm like, oh, maybe I can combo this. And then if any of the money went over, then I also had a gift card. <laughs> so I've got this plan. I'm, I'm going to get my stuff that I want. And uh, I go up to the, the cashier and I'm like, no, you got to, you know, scan this first. And it's like not working and I'm trying not to be a pain, but I'm trying to get this thing all to work out and get all the deals. I'm basically trying to get the most amount of stuff for the least amount of money while I'm at this store. And eventually it works out. And it goes through and I, I get latte and the donut and I'm driving on my way to work. And as I'm sipping my latte, a thought comes to mind. I think it was God speaking to me. His thought came... Uh, you never even asked that cashier how her day was going. I, did, I, didn't even, I really didn't even acknowledge her except for what I was wanting. I, I was so focused on my goal of, of getting my stuff and the rewards and, and just skimping on money that I didn't even pay attention to the people right in front of me. And so God used that experience. In that moment, I felt very convicted. He, he drew a distinction between my money and the people around me. And in that moment, I could, anyone could clearly see what was more important to me. And so we have these major tests. God is testing us, our hearts, what's going on in that command center of our lives. And he, he gives this test to Christ followers related to our money and the stuff and the things we want. Naturally, our hearts are just like leaning, you know, we're leaning towards money all the time. We, we want to earn it, I want to protect it, and I want to use it for myself. That's what we're normally leaning that way. But the big issue always with our money is trust. Will we trust God enough to follow his standards for finances? So decide to use your money and to help and to bless others. This is the way that we lay up treasures for ourselves in eternity. And as we wrap up, you might consider taking, I have just one next step here. You can identify, maybe there's one way I need to use my money for the long game. And maybe that's giving first. I need, I need to make sure I'm, I'm giving according to God's standard. Or maybe I need to save for trouble. Uh, I need to start saving or, or spend to meet my needs. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm pulling my weight. Or it's time to invest for the future eternally. And so you can think through one of those. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It really combats the inclinations of our heart. We, we really love stuff. We love to treat ourselves. And, and we have these desires. And, and Lord, you help us to, to lift our eyes beyond that stuff. And to see what's really important in life, what's really important to you, and what's really going to last for eternity. And so I pray that you'd help us, each one of us to connect with, with that specific area in money management where we can honor you and we can be faithful with what you've given us. I, I know that every dollar I have is from you. You give each of us the wealth that we have. And so I pray, Lord, that we would use it to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church Podcast.